but yeah, it was a blessing just to, I was just thinking as we sang this, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. There's some things that I need to allow God to change in my life yet, if I'm going to be dwelling in his house. I need to keep pressing on. <clears throat> and yesterday morning was a, I was battling with discouragement, and I know the answer, but I didn't feel like doing it. <laughs> and that's a battle. And as, as I went through the day, I got a phone call that was kind of amazing. And I sat with a friend who, um, Jerry Millsap, who has cancer. And as God, I saw how God led, directed that, I'm like, well, I guess God is still gracious to me, <laughs> you know, but in leading and guiding, even though we don't know how all that's going to work out sometimes. But um, <clears throat> yeah, that's a hard thing for them to walk through. We need to be praying for Jerry and Jill and their family. I, um, yeah, I had more to say about that that I'm not remembering at the moment, but it'll come as I um, get started here. <clears throat> I, um, <clears throat> How many of you have read through the book of Hebrews this past week? Hey, a bunch. Good. I think I made it to chapter 12. I can't say I quite made it. I don't know why I didn't finish. Um, but it was a blessing to listen through. And I look forward to doing it again um, this coming week. But the question I have for today, um, and it... <clears throat> is in Matthew 25. I'd like to read that whole chapter. But am I looking for Christ's return? Am I looking for the return of Christ, for my Lord? So this chapter starts out, we have the story in my Bible, though every word in this chapter, I believe, is in red. It's the words of Christ. Christ is saying at the beginning of the chapter here, he starts out, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. Which one am I? Am I wise or am I foolish? Which one, which camp do I fall into here? Am I looking for the bridegroom's return? Or am I distracted by something else? Am I looking for the bridegroom? Or 
maybe like Josh brought up, am I looking to make myself happy right now? I'm not sure why these five that did not, it says they were foolish, they did not have enough, they did not take the oil with them that they needed, they were not paying attention. Am I paying attention? Am I looking for the bridegroom? Verse 3, they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. And then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore. For ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. So there's the word for us today is watch. Watch. Am I watching? Am I paying attention? It's sort of like texting and driving. Am I driving or am I texting? <laughs> am I paying attention or am I not? I was um, on the phone in the office when Josh walked in on Friday after work and I was talking to his brother Ryan and I thought I could multitask you know so Josh I look at him to see what he has to say and I'm still trying to listen to Ryan and all of a sudden I realized I had no idea what Ryan said because <laughs> I switched my attention and we deceive ourselves when we think we can multitask and we deceive ourselves when we think that we can satisfy my world's um, the desires of the world that pull me and the kingdom and pleasing the king and being watchful and ready. I was not watching what Ryan was saying to me. I was watching what Josh was. And so I had to say, I'm sorry, Ryan, but I missed what you were saying. And we had to go back through it again. <clears throat> Am I watching? Verse 9, go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. You know, I can say, Marlon, can you get the Holy Spirit for me? And we, we look at that and we say, no, that doesn't work that way, does it? And yet, do I live that way? I can come to church. I'm going to enjoy the singing. I'm going to, I'm going to get the benefits of what everybody else has done. I'm going to get the benefits of what Josh studied. And he'll give me a boost for the week. Each one of us has to go get that oil. Each one of us has to, am I walking by the Spirit? Them that are walking by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Am I walking by the Spirit? Or am I saying, Kenton, can you get me the Holy Spirit for this week? And you know, there is a benefit in community. God has designed it so that we can encourage one another um, and help one another. So that's another aspect but in my standing before God and walking in the Spirit, nobody else could decide for me yesterday um, if I was going to listen to the Spirit and go to Jerry's place, or if I wasn't. I really felt like God took me there. God led. And at the end, 
it boosted my confidence that, oh, that was, God had his hand in this. Um, we can't, I can't ask you to get the spirit for me. Now, your walk in the spirit impacts me and my decisions that I make, and my walk impacts others. Um, we do impact each other. <clears throat> and then he goes into another story that kind of makes the same point. In verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with him. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. And his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. We see that there a couple times already where the Lord says to them, you have been faithful over how many things? Few things. And we can get discouraged by saying, I, I don't have much from God. My gifts are small. I can't get up and talk. Or I don't know how to um, encourage a brother. I don't know what words to say. Or, or I'm not a missionary. You know, I can't go to another country. Or um, I could never do that. You know, how does that work out? We... Don't we all tend to do that? I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough gifts. I don't have enough ability to accomplish this. And then we do what the next servant did. And I think I've done this with some things in my life. I say, well, I can't memorize like that person over there. I can't sing like that person. I can't, I can't, I can't. And so then what do I do? I bury the thing that God did give me. Um, then he which received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. We're afraid that God's not good. I mean, I wrestle with that, just even hearing about Jerry. God, are you really good? You know, we, we can question God in that. That's what this man, he said, I was afraid and I went and hid thy talent in the earth and lo, there, there thou hast that is thine. God is going to get what he has anyway, so it doesn't depend on me. 
You know what? When you come to church, it makes a difference that you're here, right? Each one of us makes a difference. <clears throat> I can say, well, with my struggle yesterday, I'm like, how in the world can I go and preach tomorrow? I was not in a state of mind that um, I foresaw that this could happen. But what has God given me? What has God given each of us? It's bigger than us. It's more powerful than us. God, you go back to that um, verse 15, God gave to every man according to his several ability. God gave. God gave. God gives to us gifts. We don't need to fear him. We need to challenge that thought whenever we have it. <clears throat> what is my view of God? And the Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. God wasn't looking... God wasn't comparing him to the other ones. He just asked him to do with that one talent wisely to invest it. And kind of got my mind thinking on investment. I'd like to read at the end a little bit on what my attitude should be about what God has given me. But this man here, this with the one talent, he didn't think he didn't work, and he didn't try. He just made excuses. So am I making excuses? What's the first thing out of my mouth when something doesn't go right? I'm like, oh, well, I wasn't feeling so good that morning. <laughs> and, you know, I was making some excuses yesterday for a while, while why I was feeling the way I was. But if I do that, it just gets me to the same place where this man was. Believing that God's not good. And rather than pressing in and thinking and saying, God, I need your help. Verse 29. For every, unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. He shall have abundance. There's something coming that we haven't seen yet. <clears throat> but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. There is a judgment coming, a decision coming. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. Therefore, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Unprofitable. So this man was called unprofitable. Am I profitable to the kingdom, even though I have just one talent? The answer is yes. What if I only have a quarter of a talent? <laughs> you know, that's where we go, isn't it? <clears throat> Who is coming? 
Am I looking for the return of Christ? Verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. There's coming a day when Christ is returning and he will sit on the throne of his glory. Am I remembering that in the struggle here? One comment that Jerry made yesterday, he said, I want to remember to be grateful for what I've been given rather than looking at and being discouraged by the things that I think I should have. I think I should have another 30 years. Um, he's, his diagnosis has a time frame on it that's rather short. Um, it changes plans. It changes purchases. It changes goals. It changes a lot of things. I said, you know, the only difference between you and me is that I don't see my, that time frame clearly, right? I think, oh, I probably have 30 or 40 years yet. Some of you could say, well, I should have 50 years yet, right? But now when someone's given a time frame that's much, much shorter, all of a sudden, things look vastly different. And what would happen if I lived in that reality today? that I didn't have to get a diagnosis from the doctor to do that. I don't know if that's possible. Is that possible? Because I don't know. It's like in the Sunday school lesson, we're talking about Christ had to come in the flesh for our sake. I don't believe it was for his sake, but for our sakes and suffered everything that we do in the flesh so that he could be our deliverer and our high priest. Um, well, I realized what it's like to be in those shoes, you know, whether it's someone gets told they have five years or two months or two years. I don't know, does that reality, can it really hit until it's me? You know, I don't know. But the more that we can look at that and say, Christ is returning, this is not all that there is. The more that we can do that, I think the closer we get to the heart of God and his goals and his will this is about living out his will. These three men with the talents, they were entrusted with someone else's goods, right? Everything that we have, whether it's our health, the time that we have, the money that we have, the friends that we have, any resource that we have, the ability to think and to talk and to help people, Everything that we have was given to us by God. And so it's entrusted to me. So if I go and bury it, I'm an unprofitable servant. <clears throat> so you can pray for me next, next Sunday. We're going to go out. You know, Darren's um, son, Edward, is 
is um, getting baptized. And I thought I could ask if everybody wants to drive four hours and we just have church out there. Um, I'm not going to ask that of you, but we could take a vote, I guess, if everybody wants to. We could just go over there. Um, But, you know, there's, in the thought of baptism, there is infant baptism that churches practice, some churches, the Catholic Church, and others. And people believe that. And we believe in believer's baptism where it's on the confession of your faith. And um, so they have a family that's been meeting with them that um, believes in infant baptism. And Darren and I thought, you know, this is a good opportunity. Instead of having Edward come here and we have a baptism here, let's do it out there. Maybe that family will come and they can see it's an opportunity um, to see what someone else believes. Well, Darren texted me this morning and said, will you, will you share a message next Sunday on baptism? And so I know all this stuff you know, that's going on and if that family's going to be there. And I'm like, Lord, can I do this? But God will be there for that too. Um, and in looking at, <clears throat> there's probably some things I can learn from this man, maybe there'll be some challenge. You know, I don't know what will happen if he's there, or if, if they're not, or what will happen next week. But <clears throat> in thinking about when Christ returns, when my Lord and your Lord returns, will I have invested what he has given me? Will I have done well, or will I have wasted it? Will I have hidden it because of fear? Fear is one of the biggest things that keeps us from stepping out in faith and doing the things that God asks us to do. Which servant am I? Am I the five talent, the two talent, or the one talent? F.B. Meyer said, I can do of this last servant, kind of expressing the feelings. He said, I can do very little. It will not make much difference if I do nothing. I shall not be missed. My tiny push is not needed to turn the scale. But sometimes it is that very tiniest push that is needed. The old saying is the straw that broke the camel's back. It's that last straw. The camel could stand until that last straw was put on. Maybe it's that tiny push that I can be. It is the genius of wicked men to lay the blame of their miscarriages upon others, oftentimes upon God himself. And that's what this man was doing. I did it because of who you are, God. I'm going to blame you. And... it's in all of us. I mean, I caught myself doing it this morning. I'm like, Lord, change me in this. I don't want to do this anymore. The master judged each of the servants individually. If they were taken as a group, they did very well. Eight talents given and 15 talents returned. Yet each one was judged on their individual faithfulness and effort. 
And we see that here in verse 32. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So this is not a new plan. It's God's plan the whole time. For I was in hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. See, that challenges our thinking. Um, if I can't do it big, you know, the, that's saying, um, what is it exactly? I don't remember. It's something like go big or go home. How is that? That's not true in the kingdom of God. I understand what the motivation of that statement is. It's like, give it all you got or don't even do it. But here, if we bring that into the kingdom, we're going to not do God's will. Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. I mean, I see um, you all doing that. I mean, the things you're involved in. Um, I don't know how you look at your customers at the coffee hut. Some of them might be the least of these. Um, and you faithfully meet them with a smile, cheerfully serve them every day. That's serving the community. And art, working at the rest home, serving the least of these. I think that's what God's talking about. What is the least of these in my life? Babysitting, taking care of children. I know multiple of you are involved in taking care of others. Um, I was talking to a man yesterday. We had ordered a book. Is it called? I think the ministry is Compassion and Hope. They have like 50 um, homes across Southeast Asia for rescued children out of trafficking. And he asked me, he said, how did you find out about us? I said, I don't know, a friend of a friend or something on social media. I mean, that's the interesting thing about social media is sometimes you lose, can't follow back. I said, I don't remember. But I ordered two books from him because I wanted to read one of them and give one away. And when we got the order, there's one book. And I wonder what happened. You know, I would like two books. And that was, what, two months ago? Finally, on Friday, Charlou was like, should we just like contact them and get that other book? Or what do you want to do? And I said, well, yeah, I'd like the other book. I don't, if we need to buy another one or whatever, it's a good ministry. I don't care if we, you know, don't get that money applied to it. But yeah, get another book. So she sent an email. And then he called yesterday and said, I just wanted to apologize personally. He said, we get so many single book orders that, oh, here's another book order. And I just sent it off. And I didn't even look that it, this one is supposed to be two books. But we got to talking then, 
And um, <clears throat> kind of exciting to hear what they're, what they're doing and what is happening. And, um, but they are serving the least of these. And he said, if there's anyone that wants to travel to Thailand to encourage the workers in the homes, let me know. And I said, well, I don't know what we could do, you know. And he was like, you know what? Presence. You just need to be there. Your presence is an encouragement. Our presence means something to other people in the kingdom. We say, well, this is just a small thing. And <clears throat> I, uh, I've made a mistake in that area where Daniel has been after us for years to come over there. I was like, well, what can I do? You know, I'm not, I want to feel like, I'm not just, don't want to just take a vacation, a holiday. And then talking to this man yesterday, I'm like, it's like hit me again. It's like, so what difference would it have made in Daniel's life? I don't know if one of us would travel there. I think it's an encouragement that some of the young people have gone. Um, but he keeps asking for for others to come. And our presence, walking with God, builds the kingdom. God calls us profitable servants. We are profitable if we press ahead with our little, what we see as little. But, in verse 41, then shall he say also unto them on the left, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was unhungered, and he gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and he gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and he took me in, naked, and he clothed me not. Took me not in. And, in, and sick, sick and in prison, and he visited me not. Then shall they also answer, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hungered or thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. God has given us gifts. He has given me a gift, a resource. What is that? What is in my hand? What can I do? The specifics of that gift are different for each of us. We have different parts in the kingdom. But for me to use that, I need to trust God, not fear. Fear is the enemy of relationship, of investing my life, of trusting God. I'd like to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 as we think of what are the resources that we have. Some resources all of us have. It's all the same. And I think we can see some of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Starting in verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. I'll read verses 4 to 9. That in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There we see that again. What am I waiting for? What am I looking for? 
and by looking for the return of Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. <clears throat> Verse 4. For the grace of God. What is grace? What is the grace of God? We have a simple explanation. It's the what? It's the power of God. It's the power of God. I think that's the that's the simplest explanation I like. When I think of grace, here it says, my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. It's the power to accomplish things. So when I say I have a little, I don't have much, it's not dependent on me. It's not dependent on whether I feel up to it. Because there's many times when I don't. And we need to cry out to God. Grace, the power of God. And then in verse 6, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, they were given an assurance of their salvation, Christ in us. That's something that is given to us as his people. Oh, I skipped over verse 5 there. And everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. We need knowledge. We don't, there's so many things we don't know. Um, I need wisdom every day on how to apply these principles. How do I work it out? Um, how, how do I, I say, okay, I'm going to walk by the Spirit, but what does that look like tomorrow? I don't know yet. I need to pray for wisdom for tomorrow. Verse 7, so that ye come behind in no gift. That ye come behind in no gift. Not lacking in what is needed. Here's a church, the Corinthian church, had some major problems. And Paul wrote some of the other letters that he wrote, we don't even have. I think there's some indications that he wrote others. But this letter we do have. And he wrote a lot to this church. And here he is saying that you have what you need. <clears throat> Waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord stirs that in us. The Holy Spirit stirs in that, that strong longing for Christ's return, for his return. He stirs that in us. That's another gift from him. who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless. That means there's no accusation that can be brought against us. That's a gift from Christ. Because of, on our own, there's accusations that can be brought. But in Christ, there's no accusation. He'll keep us, that we may be blameless. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son. We have fellowship with God, fellowship with a person. That's what this is, a gift that has been given us. This is what God has given to all of us.
So even just in these, these things that are common to all believers, if I walk in that, how can I invest that this week? How can I, what can I be doing? That's something we pray about. Lord, show us. Um, but in, in looking at that parable of the talents and Christ returning, there's an end date. We don't know when that is, but there is one for each of us. As I left Jerry's yesterday, I had to think, you know, so he's kind of thinking, you know, he doesn't have long. And I thought, I could be killed in an accident on the way home, and I could actually go before him. Each one of us has an end date. I believe that God knows that. He's all-knowing, right? God knows that. If God impresses on me that something should be done now, he has a good reason for doing that, right? For impressing me with what to do next. Um, you know, if he's, don't do this or get rid of this, for me, it's getting rid of things. If God's impressing it on me, I better do it, right? Um, so I looked up Crown Ministries um, Back in the day, it was before Larry Burkett died. It's, um, I forget what it was called before Larry died, but it became Crown Ministries. And, um, but Larry Burkett and Austin Pryor were good friends, and Austin started Sound Mind Investing. And he wrote seven principles of Christian investing, and he's talking about how do we apply these with our money. But I think they're good principles to challenge everything we do. And so I want to read down through these. Christian investing acknowledges God's ownership. When you make investments as a Christian, you recognize that you are investing what belongs to God. So I was talking to someone this week, and they said, as you work together with other people, gifts to them aren't just things and money, but it's also your time. If you take the time to sit with somebody... Like you might say, well, I don't, have, I don't have money. But if you take time to sit with someone, that's also an investment. So what are the investments of the kingdom? As we think about that, as we read what we read today, be thinking about what's the, what are the things that God has given me that I can invest? Principle number two, Christian investing acknowledges God's sovereignty. Not only is God the owner of all things, Scripture says he is also sovereign. Number three, Christian investing advances God's kingdom. One reason Christian investing glorifies God is because it is motivated by a desire to see his kingdom expand. Do I want to see his kingdom expand in everything that I do? Number four, Christian investing respects God's priorities. Getting in financial shape requires putting first things first. What are God's priorities? What does he want to see happen for me? And that could be different at different stages of life, and it could be different from Jay to me. But what's God's priorities? There, there are some big, you know, overarching things that we know are priorities for all of us. But then I think that gets broken down, and that's where we need to pray for wisdom. Christian investing seeks the Lord's wisdom. For the most part, the guidelines God has provided for managing his wealth for his glory are general rather than specific. 
This means we must seek the Lord's wisdom continually as we make specific choices as Christian investors. And sometimes I have heard the wisdom of God, whether through my wife or from God, and I have not done it. We need to learn to listen. Listen. Seek God's wisdom. Lord, help me make this specific choice. Christian investing values God's majesty. For us to invest in a way that is truly Christian requires a particular worldview, one that sees the Lord as the pearl of great price. We value his majesty and our communion with him above all earthly ambitions and wealth. Do I value my communion with the Father as above all other things? Christian investing values God's majesty. Our Lord, do I view him, my Lord, as the pearl of great price? Christian investing enjoys God's blessings. We can't know what the future holds, but as a Christian investor, we can know the one who holds the future. Our trust in the Lord is never misplaced. Do I believe that? My trust in the Lord is never displaced. I will never be disappointed for the things that I trusted into God's hands. Am I looking for Christ's return? Where is my vision? An investor who is an initiator is like a grocery shopper buying ingredients for a specific recipe. When confronted with great deals that aren't on the shopping list, you can simply pass them by and stay focused on your plan. So think about it. As we go through life, what is, what is the recipe that I'm working towards? And when I'm going through life, I only, I only gather the things that fit that recipe. I remember, I don't remember the specifics, but I know back when the children were younger, and I'd be on my way home from work, and Charlotte would say, hey, could you stop and buy some food? You know, I need this for this recipe, and I need that, and I'm missing a few things. And that still happens, but um, not as much. I don't do as much of the grocery shopping. But it seemed like I always came home with extras. Because <laughs> my eye wasn't on the recipe. I'd get her stuff for her recipe, but my eye was on all the other good stuff that was there, too. And I was hungry. I was on my way home from work. You know, that's a bad time to be grocery shopping. And, uh, but our challenge is, what is the recipe? What are my goals? What are God's goals in the kingdom? Are my goals aligned with his goals? Um, but what's the recipe? And then just say no to the other things. And that's the hardest thing to do. Um, was that you that got a... Or is getting a card that every time you say no, you get another punch, a punch card? <laughs> Maybe we all have to do that. Maybe you need to start handing out punch cards. As soon as you say no 10 times, then you get a free coffee. But that's, that's a <laughs> might help us say no to things. And we could come next Sunday and say, you know what? I said no to five things. I'm halfway to my coffee. Um, but those are the things. It's hard to say no because there's so many good things out there that are okay. They're not sin. And yet, I didn't spend as much time on this message as I could have because of some good things that I got distracted by. And it's a challenge. 
It's a real challenge. What's the recipe, and am I going to... Am I going to work that recipe, work the plan, or am I going to allow life to distract me? <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, I do pray, as we have seen in your word here, the challenge of seeing you as all the pearl of great price and to not get distracted by the things that I desire and the things that I want to do and have but what is the recipe? And to stick with that. Lord, give us wisdom. I do pray for wisdom as we go from here. I also pray for my brother Jerry and his family, for Jill and the children as they face the, um, a new reality, a new challenge. And they need wisdom. What route do I take for treatment and Lord, make, make your will clear and help them provide what they need. Give them strength for this new part of the journey ahead of them. But we know you are good and you will be there for them. And you have gone the way before. Um, you have been down this road and you feel with them and you feel with us in our challenges. We thank you for your great faithfulness to us and your great love. We thank you for this time of worship today and the songs that we sang and the reminder of your, your goodness and your greatness. May we never forget. Lord Jesus, in your name I pray. Amen.